circumstances and thinking about Mother's Day in particular. And we can go around the room. We can all talk about how special our moms are, our wives are, particularly about moms and grandmoms. I was reading an article this week talking about the questions that kids ask their moms. So here's what we're going to do. If you're willing to do so, tell me the craziest question one of your children has ever asked you. She tripped over Lenny at her feet. She said, Lenny, why is it that you 
himself. Look, he has tells him, becoming obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He willingly, voluntarily said, I will become a servant, I will humble myself, and I will die in the place of mankind. And in the upper room discourse, the whole upper room discourse begins with Jesus with an illustration. John 13. At the end of their Passover meal, that Jesus took his sash around his waist and he tied it up. He got down on his hands and knees and did what? Washed with their feet. Illustrating to them, which was the job of the lowest servant in the home, illustrating to them, I am your servant. I am humble. Then he went on to tell them that I am Lord and Master. To show you humility in a very graphic way, if I'm willing to do that, you do what? You serve each other. We talked about that. So now, let's look at the next step. Verse 5, 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you know, we submit yourself to your that all of you be submissive to one another, be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, verse 6, humble yourselves, volitional choice, verb, this is what you do. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That's one of the most incredible verses in the Bible. If it sums up how do life, how then do we live? I submit myself to the next point from the handout to the Father. Go back again at the, the end of verse 5. Humility, excuse me. Be clothed with humility. The phrase in the original language means you tie on the work apron of a servant like Jesus did. And it's not, it's never about you, it's always about what can I do to glorify the one that I serve. And in this case, the next transition term that he uses is to the Father. To the Father. Submission begins with submission to the Father. I'm not going to be your servant. And I'm not going to willingly submit myself to serving you if I'm not willing to submit to the Father first. <laughs> that I say, Lord, here I am. Paul says that in Romans 12, 1. He says, therefore, in light of all the great truths we talk about salvation and sanctification and glorification in Romans 1 through about sin and redemption in Romans 1 through 11, in chapter 12 where he begins to transition into what he's going to do with all this incredible information overload. He says this, and he summed it up for you, Paul said. Therefore, I thank you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable response to what you just learned, reasonable service of worship. If you say you worship God, if you say you're a Christ follower, Paul was saying in Romans 12, 1, then present your bodies a bird. You do the following. Body to God and living sacrifice, holy, set apart unto Him, acceptable unto Him, living His life that honors Him. And that's your reasonable response to salvation, to your reasonable response to the sin payment, to your reasonable response to the fact God is always working good. Your reasonable, just read Romans 1 through 11. Don't, don't worry about studying it, just read it. And then the response is, Here I am, Lord, use me. That's what He says. That's the practical, logical response. So all submission. Where it begins and how you're going to live your life begins with submission to the Father. Patience is a byproduct of humility, what he's talking about. Verse 6. Therefore, 
Because God gives, coming from verse 5, gives grace to the humble, those who are willing to humble themselves before God. He gives them grace. <coughs> resist pride, the ones that it's about me, which is the essence of all sin. You resist them, that he gives grace to the humble. We come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. And notice the end of verse 6, and this is what I'm saying, it's a powerful verse. I humble myself, that's my response, under the mighty hand of my Father, who is the omnipotent God of the universe. I humble myself under his mighty hand. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And the result is, I choose to submit to my Father, and in the proper time, notice verse 6, in the due time, he will exalt me, as he did Jesus. Trust God. When the time comes for you to be exalted, He will handle that. That does not mean it's easy. By the way, this is not just talking about eternally when we get to go to heaven and we, uh, all God's children will be the last of the first and the first of the last of Jesus. Yes, that's going to occur. But it's also talking about in this life. By exaltation, it's not that you, you know, you're going to be better than anybody else. It means that you will get your just food from God. As his child. Romans, back to that great book, Romans teaches us we are, quote, joint heirs with Christ. I, I love to just stop and meditate on that phrase in my book. Joint heirs with Christ, not co heirs, joint heirs, meaning what? As the bride of Christ, for example, how many of you are married? Okay? And you share a home, you share a life, you share a bank account. Joint heirs with Christ, we are his bride, means we share in everything he inherits. What does Jesus inherit? Everything. He is God. Read that passage in Philippians where it talks about him humbling himself from the beginning of the death, even the death of the cross. God, you know how that passage ends? Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above what? All names, that in the name of Jesus, every name will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the summation of all history. Jesus came and humbled himself, died, buried, rose again, and come to him. And we may be humble in this time. You see that we are. That's the first thing we can talk about that. that time of life can be very difficult at times. Very difficult. But if you're in Christ, you're already seated in the heavenlies. Tells us that's where we're citizens of. That's who we are. And we will inherit in the eternal state everything. Joint heirs with Christ. In the meantime, where we began last week, this church age, in the meantime, until he comes back and everything is wrapped up, we are to be patient under God's hand. Romans chapter 5, back then, the book says it this way. Please listen closely. We exult in our tribulations. That doesn't even make sense. We exult in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, patience, or endurance. Perseverance brings proven character. Proven character brings hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Be patient. 
close. Look at the back of the book of James. James chapter 1. Just for a second. Look back to James chapter 1. As we wrap up this, this, this idea of how do we live in this culture, it means very difficult personally or culturally. How do we live? And it all begins with submission to the Father. Patience, knowing that the Father is all relevant and always working good, even though we don't see it in the moment. And it is very hard at times. We trust him in the power by the righteousness of God. Look at James 1, verse 4. That patience has its perfect work. By patience, you're persevering, you're enduring in the moment. That you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. Casting all your care on him, 
upon them and cares for you. Give him your anxieties for two reasons. One is stated in the verse. One is implied. One, because he cares about you. Think about it this way. This is a very personal pronoun. He's saying, Randy, you cast your cares on me, Randy. Why? Verse 7, I love you. statement, because he's my heavenly father, he can handle whatever my anxieties are. As parents, you love your children. You only want what's best for them. Do they always agree with what you think is best for them? Of course not. But that's what you want for them. I love the phrase in the Bible, too.
Jesus said, always good to quote Jesus, you can't quote Jesus. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. <coughs> telling us here throughout Scripture is this. The God of the Scriptures, the God of the Bible, who we serve as Christians, Christ followers, we believe that's His Word, that's our manual for life. That God says this to you. I love you and I am personally interested in every breath of Every hair on your head or lack thereof, I, I have made. Every moment of your life, past, present, future, I'm involved. There's nothing about me that I don't know, and I love you anyway. There's nothing about you that I'm not interested in, and I only want what's best for you. There's nothing about you that I'm not constantly working good on your behalf. I love you. Cast your care on me. I'm not some deity that's out there somewhere. I am in your heart, your soul, Understand your circumstances as much as possible. 
James 7, we just read earlier, particularly in that passage, it says this. Excuse me, James 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, it's talking about their daily trials we're going to fall into. If you lack wisdom about that, ask God. He'll give liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to you. May I get it all right now? Would you go to God? I cannot, in my life, in my prayer life, and I would say, many people that I know, particularly our elders, we talk about this all the time. The one thing we pray for constantly and consistently for our church and our personal lives as believers is wisdom. Wisdom simply means looking at things the way God looks at them. Seeing things through the eyes of God. Wisdom. Lord, how should I handle this? Lord, what do you want me to do here? Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand. I need wisdom to make sure that I do what you want, not what I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to come as a result of sin. Lord, I want, we want your wisdom. Cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. Seek his wisdom. Next, strength to act in your circumstances. Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I misquoted that verse in many centuries. I can do all things. Can you fly? No. Can you always have everything you want? No. Are you always going to be in perfect health? Let's go around the room and just discuss health for a moment, especially those of us that are grandparents.
then stay alert. Be sober. Frazier, be sober, looking into the staining of something. The idea is be in control. If you're going to drink wine, abstain from getting out of control. That's what it's talking about. But here it's talking about spiritually. You have to be in control. Your, your senses have to be aware of what's going on around you. You've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not allowing something else to block that. You have to be sober. Be in control. You have to be vigilant. Get back to verse 8. That simply means on guard and watching all the time. Well, the idea here in context, you have to care for the Lord if He cares for you. And you have to stay alert. Sober, be vigilant. You abstain literally the literal. You're abstaining from anything spiritually, mentally, or physically that will lull you to sleep about what's going on around you or inhibit your vigilance and being aware. Here's how Jesus put it. Watch so that you don't fall into temptation. Pay attention. Where you put yourself? Are you watching? Are you listening to? It's important to you. You pay attention. By the way, when Jesus was saying that to Peter, James, and John, at one point, what were they doing? They asked him to stay awake and he's going to go over here and pray. What they did? They all took the house. So you got to pay attention. Or you're going to fall asleep. You're going to fall into temptation. Same principle. Can't accept complacency. Can't accept being comfortable, being satisfied, being self-assured. shared this with you last week. It means so much to me. I want to share this quote with you again. So I think I shared it with you. Maybe share it with you. <coughs> well, I had a friend of mine text me even yesterday. So we talked about Wayne Barber over the years and how much it means to me. I've offered so much and mentored him through the video. Wayne passed away a few years ago. A friend of mine texted me one of the sermons last night. I'm going to listen to it today. I love to just go back and listen to Wayne teach God's Word. Tremendous man of God. We talked about last week this idea of being watchful, being alert, staying focused. Don't even fall. If you ever think you've arrived, guess what? You're in trouble. You will never arrive because of your sin nature. Because we have an enemy. We talked about it last week. We don't want to be alert. What Wayne said, when I look in the mirror each morning, I'm looking at the biggest problem I'm ever facing. Especially being complacent, especially when you're dissatisfied, especially when you think you've got it all together. That's when you're going to slide back. Stay alert. So the next point, verse 8, you have to recognize your enemy. Context is be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because you have an enemy. Look there in verse 8. You have an enemy who's very powerful. He is not God. He's formidable. He is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He is not capable to respond. He is a created being. 
he will never see. Here's how our military. And what does it tell us to do? Look at verse 9. We'll read this and then we'll have to Resist him, Satan. Resist him. He's not even with God. He's not God. How do you resist him? In the context, you have to be sober. The very next thing, stop it. that part next week. The very next thing, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom you may devour, resist him. It's the next thing it says. Steadfast in the faith. Next week we're going to talk about what it means to be steadfast. As you resist, bow your head. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for the person of Jesus Christ. Without him, we have no hope. Yet with him, we have all hope. So, Lord, even today, as we think about living in a time that's difficult, uncomfortable, hard, personal issues that we have to deal with, the health issues, family issues, child issues. Believers, yet God who is there says, Submit to me, trust me, don't get fears on me because I care for you. Pray that strengthen us, realize that we have that strength in us. Face each day, be excited about each day. Go out and resist the enemy and share the word. Lord, even on Mother's Day, think about a special.
Saturday, uh, you know, thank you all, you mothers, grandmothers, 
for shaping all things new. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to spend together and sharing your word with us today. Uh, know that you are our Father, that you, that you care about everything that we can tell about us. Thank you for that. Thank you for all the blessings you've given us, Lord. I just pray that you watch over us and bring God through all this week. Pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.